Welcome to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. The energy of the dark feminine is rising. Are you ready to reclaim your power? Understand the power of the dark mother of creation in astrology, Lilith. It's time for the world to recognize the power of dark feminine energy and how you can use it to heal, transform, and create the magic in your own life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest, Jarell Caraballo, a licensed therapist and co-founder of Viva, a therapy practice based in New York City. He is the author of the Shadow Work Workbook, Self-Care Exercises for Healing Your Trauma and Exploring Your Hidden Self. Caraballo received a BA in psychology from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington and MA and EDM degrees in psychological counseling from Teachers College at Columbia University. He has been featured as a mental health expert across many magazines and websites, including Mind Body Green, Men's Health, Healthline, Inside Self, and more, sharing advice and insight on self care, interpersonal relationships, dealing with trauma, and more. Welcome, Jarrell. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for coming on. I've known Jarrell for, I want to say we met in like 2012. Yeah, I was going to say we might be in double digits at this point. Wow. So, mm-hmm. yes, I've known Jarrell, and Jarrell has actually been on the Lilith Astrology YouTube channel. You can go check out that. There's a, an old video there. And yes, we met when we were both, you were a therapist still at the time, right? Yeah. But you, on the side, you loved grooming and the natural hair movement. And I was working in that industry as well. And we just kept crossing paths Uh and just kept in touch. And then I went on my own journey to going fully into astrology and that healing modality. And Jarrell is he's written a book and launched a book. So it's like our, our paths crossed again when someone from the publishing house connected us. And I was like, of course I will have Jarrell mm-hmm. on my podcast. <laughs> um, so long story short, that's how Jarrell and I met. And I really want to start this off with your origin story, where you're from, and how you made your way to New York City. Yeah, good question. So I'm originally from North Carolina. Uh, I grew up there, spent all of my childhood there. The story's a little, I don't know, uh, I'm trying not to get in the weeds too much about it, but essentially, you know, I graduated from college, which was also in North Carolina, and found my way to working for a not-for-profit right after graduation, and it was in sexual assault prevention and education, but essentially, that was on a tour of the United States of, like, college campuses, military bases, talking to men about sexual assault prevention and how to not be, you know, doing things they should not be doing. That tour led me to a stop, which told me about Teachers College, which is where I ended up going to grad school, which is in New York City. And so it's so funny because it, it was the most synchronous experience of my life. Um, I had other plans, they fell through and how I wanted to do things. And then all these little things fell into place. So I applied to grad school, got a job before I moved to New York on campus. So I also had housing. 
and it just worked out so beautifully. And, you know, I've been in New York since 2008. So I'm, I'm a real New Yorker now, even on that yeah. native. <laughs> what do they say? It's over 10 years? 10 years, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And that's the beauty of life is that when we listen to signs and synchronicities and we go with our gut and our feeling, I, mm. I know from my own life, I've been able to create the life I truly want and something that's aligned. So were you scared to come to New York? Cause you're, you're from the South. Like, was it, were you afraid of the difference? Uh, a little bit, but not really. And it's funny because my mom loves to tell me how I always wanted to live in New York. And it was essentially because of Home Alone 2. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I was nervous and I didn't know anyone. I was completely starting over. But, you know, as you're talking about that feeling, it's like I knew it was the thing. I knew it was where I was supposed to be going. I knew it was what I was supposed to be doing. I knew that it would give me the things that I wanted. So I took the leap and, you know, now here we are with a book and all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is your education background as a licensed therapist? Can you explain? Because I said a lot of BA, <laughs> ABC. Right. So um, what does that all mean? And why were you drawn to study psychology? Sure. Uh, so essentially, all the acronyms are, there's so many acronyms. It's very annoying. I get it. Um, so I got my undergraduate degree, which was a Bachelor of Arts. The what they label it matters very little. So don't I'm not an artist, like don't think that way. Uh, <laughs> so then I went to grad school and got a Master's of Arts in Counseling and a Master's of Education in Counseling. Both were well, one's a one year degree, another one's a two year degree because it was a dual degree program. Um, so I got one on the way of getting the other. Uh, which was just a nice bonus. And, you know, psychology, I don't know. I was always, I grew up a very sensitive kid. Like I, I describe myself as a highly sensitive person, actually. And so I was very much in tune with the world around me, what people were thinking and feeling and having this sort of sense of things that were going on. But I don't come from a family of talkers. <laughs> You know, people are just very quiet about sort of things that are going on or not going on. And I just found myself always being so curious and inquisitive. And it wasn't until high school, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do in college? Like, what's the plan here? What am I going to study? I took a college level psychology course. And I've actually written about this before. But my teacher, her name was Barbara Romick. Hope she's doing well if you're out there was my teacher and she was just like the weirdest, most entertaining person I'd come across and obviously very caring. And, and so I saw in her like this ability to be creative and to help people and to have your own personality and to be yourself. And I was like, okay, so that, I wanna do that. And so I was fortunate to find her and you know went into college thinking I'm gonna study psychology my goal was to become a counselor and, you know, just followed the necessary steps from there. It was a pretty seamless process, but it was just really interesting because no one in my family really, it's not that they didn't, I guess, know of it as a field, but really had no experience 
as like what that meant. What does a therapist actually mean? You know, I come from a mixed race background in North Carolina, uh, black and Puerto Rican, not really, you know, in the middle of the Bible belt, not really counseling therapy is not really a thing uh, a lot of people rely on. And so, you know, it was sort of like uncharted territory in a lot of ways, but, you know, my family is very supportive and I've always been also very headstrong. I'm a Taurus son. And so um, (laughs) no one can really tell me anything anyway. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do what I'm going to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and keep it moving. And and that's what I did. (laughs) Wow. So as a black therapist, what are some Mm -hmm. things that have been challenging for you as a, as a therapist or just things that have, I guess I'll say disturbed you about the, the practice of psychology and how it is. Like, are there mm. things that you've been wanting to disrupt and change? Yeah, I, I think that so much of therapy and psychology is rooted and normed on white people in terms of treatment, but also in terms of like the perspective, right? So all the great quote unquote leaders of psychology are white men, mostly, um, at, at least historically. And you know, so in my work, and this is something that I think Viva, which is my company, um, my therapy practice, which we now have offices in New York, San Diego, and in Philadelphia. So we're growing, which is so beautiful. Our, our focus and our way of working with people is to take a real justice-oriented approach and a multicultural approach in which we're not here to sort of demonstrate to people, this is, the, this is how you be healthy. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is how you need to think about things. It's really about working with an individual and like their location in life, you know, as a, if they're a black person, if they're a Latinx queer person, if there are, you know, a white trans woman, right? Like, how do you, how do you think of someone in, in how they interact with life and then provide the support that they need? Um, and that's how we approach things. And it's always about being human first, um, which also means showing up as a therapist, as a human, before you show up as a therapist. We always say to our team members, like, you, your goal here is to be a person. Be a person in the room with someone who may be struggling. All of your techniques, skills, knowledge, whatever will come through, but show up as a person. If something would make you laugh, normally laugh. If something, you know, if something resonates with you and you feel comfortable, say like, oh, yeah, I've, I've experienced a similar thing. Let's talk about how we can disclose in a way that helps people. All those things which are very non-traditional kind of psychology values. Wow, that's, that's so interesting because past therapists I have went to, I ended up not gelling after some time because they weren't very reactive. And I think it's mm-hmm. like... I think it's it's like a cultural thing. Like I'm sure. I'm like West African, Black American background, and like I'm using some feedback or something. And that's something I incorporate in my astrology practice. I'm mm-hmm. I'm reading someone, and so I that was like a frustration for me. But I guess it's so it's baked into mm-hmm. the science of it. I know. Yeah, totally. It's and like for me, especially as like a, a therapist of color, a Black therapist, like to show up in that way is very important. Like I, I love all the clients that I work with and I'm very clear with them. You know, when we first talk, I'm like, 
So my default is I'm going to be in the trenches with you, right? I'm not going to sit and be silent the whole time. If you say something I think is like wild, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> what now? What? What? She? They did what? Oh my God. Let's get into that. Like, I'm going to be a person first. And that, that really is one of those values that is so culturally laden for black and brown people being reactive, giving that kind of feedback is so, I don't know, it just seems so natural to us. And there's even research, psychological research that backs it up that like you need to, especially when you're working with clients of color, you need to be able to show up in a different kind of way because the blank slate does not work for everyone. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for a lot of the clients I work with. And I think that's why they appreciate our work together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world that has been built for white men, essentially, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. white cis men. And mm-hmm. for so many years, we've all had to acclimate or assimilate or um, or be demonized <laughs> for, our, our, uh, for us. And we're having to fit ourselves into something that isn't aligned. Um, and so um, I think that's a great che- uh, segue into the shadow work workbook because mm. I think that a lot of the shadow is built from this this programming. Yeah. I know where from my lineage and where I come from, I mean enslaved ancestors, it's just that has been built into my my DNA. And so that's a shadow that I've had to face. Or if I have clients who are from the African diaspora, they that mm-hmm. always comes up. So the shadow is built up from this trauma, essentially. And these old white psychologists don't have that. So they don't, it's very, this, I think this book really um, is transforming their work in a way that will make sense for more people than just white men. (laughs) Yeah. And that was really the hope, you know, when I started writing this, I thought, you know, shadow work is not something that's a mainstream idea, not even in psychology, right? It's like, you'll get the union and and like analysts who are like, yeah, shadow, but like anyone else like doesn't care and doesn't think about it, at least in these terms. And so once I started writing this, I thought, what's the way to make this digestible and understandable for people who are just coming into it, right? If you're just, you're interested about the shadow, but it seems like a little like amorphous and abstract, like how can you make it concrete for yourself and and that was why I sort of landed on these, like an entry-based workbook, because I'm also, even as a therapist, I'm like, what, nothing is helpful if it's not applicable. Like, what can you do? Like, insight is great, but what are you going to do with it? Like, what, what can you, how can people apply this learning? How can they think about it in a way that applies to their life and not just understand it? And so that's, you know, that's why we landed on the workbook idea as opposed to just a book that people read, because I wanted to give people the tools to examine deeply and think about, okay, well, if I have this thing that maybe is in my shadow that I didn't really understand before, now I understand it. What's the, how can I apply that to my life? Like, how can I work through that? How can I integrate what I've just learned about myself? So what is the shadow and, and shadow work. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm learning the more I talk about this is, is that it's a really easy answer, but also a really complicated answer. 
um, you know, I tend to talk about it in terms of the shadow being the sort of hidden and or repressed parts of your psyche. And so one easy way to think about it is like if your, pers your personality or your persona is how you show up in the world, like how people perceive you, this is like your quote unquote performance as a person, no judgment, but it's just performance as a person, then the shadow is all the stuff that is kind of like behind the curtain in like the Wizard of Oz, right? It's like the stuff that no one really sees, maybe stuff you don't even see or really aware of fully that, and the shadow work is the process of illuminating, so shining a light on those dark corners and understanding that in my belief, in my theory, which was also Jung's theory, that every person has a shadow. We all have these sort of hidden or latent or repressed parts of ourselves. And it's okay that we have that. But if we illuminate it and if we learn to integrate whatever is in there, then we can live lives that are really peaceful and um, thoughtful and mindful and conscious of the world around us. And that to me is the essence of why do this work. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank so you. So one of my favorite sections of the book was about the inner child. Mm. And I'm obsessed with this work. Um, mm. I, I Personally, it's something that I do every day. But what are some, I guess, like simple practices? What is inner child work that people after listening to this podcast, they could incorporate into their day? Yeah. So inner child work is basically just this idea that, you know, within every adult person, there is a smaller part of you, the, the child, that is sort of like, that has always been there, but has all these like remnants and experiences of your life and from your early life. And, and the idea both about the shadow and the inner child is, you know, that a lot of times what we experience emotionally in the moment may be informed by, likely informed by the shadow and or the inner child. Mm -hmm. And so for instance, like in relationships, especially intimate relationships, like inner child stuff is like pops right up so fast. It's like, if you're feeling, you know, in a moment, you feel like your partner's not showing up for you. And then you start to act in some ways that are, you know, maybe a little extra critical, or you like remove yourself and distance yourself. That's probably a pattern of behavior that your inner child learned to feel emotionally safe, right? Even though it may not serve you well as an adult now, it's just like the skill that you have. And so if you take some time to really understand, like, how did I ask yourself, how did I get, like, what is the pattern that I'm exhibiting, right? What's the most tender part of me feeling, right? The, not the part that's uh, sophisticated and knowledgeable and whatever. What's that really tender part of me feeling? Is that, could this emotion be coming from that? Could this reaction be coming from that? And where did that come from, really? Why is this moment as like a 30-something-year-old why do I feel like I want to throw something up against the wall? Why do I feel like I want to run away? Right? There's probably some stuff there within your experience as a very young person that you also felt that way. And it's kind of become imprinted in your psyche. 
And so if you can really understand and try and heal that inner child that's still with you, then you can really integrate. Like when that comes up the next time, you don't have to resort to these really juvenile or immature ways of responding. You can then be the adult observer who is with the inner child saying like, oh, Jarrell, I see that this thing is coming up for you that no one listens to you. I'm here to listen to you. We're going to figure out the right words to make sure this other person knows how to hear you and see you. Mm. And it's about integrating that. And I think it's really, really powerful. And another thing about inner child is that it's also, I think it, and this is another entry in the book is about like, and this was important for me in the book writing process of uncovering your hidden gifts, right? So we also part of the inner child, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people is that some of the natural early gifts that you had maybe got squashed because they didn't fit with what the people around you really wanted for you or they, that they didn't think was best for you. And it could be very simple. Like for me, it was more creative things like writing. I've always loved writing. And it just wasn't something that was really valued like me writing wasn't something that was really valued. That was for other people to do other things, right? And so part of, re part of writing this book for me was doing some more of my own work, sort of saying like, oh, here's my shadow stuff coming up again. I thought I was cool with this, but here he is feeling very insecure about revealing this gift. Why is that? What are the messages that are coming up? Where, where does the healing need to be? Right? How can adult Jarrell support inner child Jarrell in this moment to do something that could be really helpful to a lot of people? Mm. Yeah, then that also is part of it, like healing intergenerational trauma or ancestral trauma, because that's basically mm -hmm. the parent is projecting onto the child their limitations, like, mm -hmm. oh, like only, you know, this and that person can be a famous author or actor or Oh, that, mm -hmm. that's not for me. Like, I couldn't see myself. So then it's like you're passing on that to the child. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it, and it, it happens so automatically for people. It's incredible to think about because, and I think this is, I even wrote this in the book is that sure, we should hold parents accountable and, you know, sort of take them to task for the ways in which they've limited us also recognizing that was probably out of love and they probably didn't really understand how they were unconsciously passing on limitations or stories that they've learned, right? And so it's about giving people the space to unpack that and maybe breaking that cycle and saying like, okay, now I've learned this material. Now I've learned that these dark parts of me, these dark thoughts aren't unique to me in terms of that they exist, like I'm okay. So then whenever my kid comes to me and says they're really struggling with this thing, I now have the space to say, it's okay that you feel that way or that you think that way. We don't have to fix it, but how can we use it? Yeah, like breaking the curse or, mm -hmm. or a generational trauma sure. um, the next time around with your own children and the next generations. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's that's just really true self-empowerment when like the biggest thing for me to feel empowered in my business and what I do is that I need to do me and I have to do what's aligned with me and anyone that has a reaction to that. Cause I grew up where it was like, go to college, get a corporate job, be stable, all that stuff. And I just found it didn't align. And I, I realized my gifts 
in, in spirituality and in this and in astrology. And I had to piss some people off or like make mm-hmm. them uncomfortable in my family or in my life. And all that mm-hmm. did was empower me to the point where now it's normalized to them. They're like, oh, congrats. And oh, you're doing this. Cool. So it changed. It ended up shifting my reality when I actually was like, no, I have to be okay with myself first and release that their limiting beliefs on what how this reality is run and how my life should look. So mm-hmm. I think that's just super empowering. So yeah. complete with explaining the different facets of shadow work, this also provides like a daily workbook or how is that structured? Yeah, well, I, I, in the instructions, there are early instructions in the book, because I'm a therapist, I also talk about this from a trauma-informed perspective in which, you know, there are a lot of workbooks that you could probably just fly through do exercise after exercise. Some of them are great and like have been used in, you know, psychology circles forever, like for decades. And my thought in this book is that because the shadow is something that most people don't really delve into and is pretty difficult, I offer recommendations in the book that say like, and exercises first to like ground you. So there's some tools to say, if you're not used to a grounding practice, how can you center yourself? How can you feel a bit more stable before you jump into something that might be emotionally challenging? but then also to pace yourself, right? You should not, I mean, listen, people can do whatever they want to do, but you probably should not do 10 shadow work entries in a day, right? Because it's hard emotional and psychological and spiritual work to look at yourself and look at like the dark parts of yourself, the painful parts of yourself, and then try and be a person (laughs) the rest of the day. So it's really important to like create some space and to, take it slow, trust yourself in taking it slow. It's okay to do that and go at whatever pace feels comfortable. And the book is structured in such a way that you can do it sort of chronologically as it's laid out in the book, or you can pick a topic that's most salient and jump to that, right? If you're having trouble with like dealing with anger, right? There's a go to the entry on anger, do that one today. And then maybe you visit with something that's a bit more historical in nature another day. Thank you for listening to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. I would love for you to check out my free horoscopes now offered in our editorial section, The Coven. I also invite you to join our mailing list to receive a free gift, an alchemist guide to Black Moon Lilith. I also want to mention my beloved tribe, Black Moon Lilith Collective, and that it's open all year long now for enrollment. You can learn more about these beautiful offerings by heading to LilithAstrology.com. So what exactly is Black Moon Lilith Collective? Well, this is my exclusive online streaming platform and community dedicated to elevating and empowering the collective through astrology, alchemy, and the esoteric arts. This content features in-depth video horoscopes, community, workshops, and more. So we dive deeper than your typical astrology app. Not only does this include content from me, but we also have an amazing panel of expert practitioners contributing each month. I hope to see you in the tribe. So in terms of 
just shadow work and spirituality. Do you infuse some spirituality into your practice and what you do or like meditation or how does that fit? It's a good question. And I know it's like one that is, this is part of like how we cross paths a lot, right? It's sort of like the lanes merge, you know, young was, who's like the creator of the, you know, the, of the idea of shadow. I think was like a psycho spiritual person. I kind of wonder if he was a witch, but you know, maybe. he was an he was an astrologer. He was an astrologer. Okay, I don't so know I about know witch, he was, but he was right. definitely an alchemist as well. Um, okay. And I researched a lot of his um, philosophy because um, he fused um, the ancient art of alchemy, astrology, and shadow work. This was all about the ascension process. So yes, mm. I guess he was a witch. <laughs> Right, right. And so like, I've always, and, and so I've always really appreciated his work because it had this, yes, he was like an old white dude, but there was something different about how he was approaching, how we understand our internal world that really resonated with me. And so, you know, the work of, I see his work, I see, always have seen my work as being really divine, actually, in a I guess in the most secular way that, you know, I see my work as being really important soul work and that's how I approach it. And I think that that's everything that I do, including this book, I think tries to take this approach of we can, I'm your witness, I'm your Virgil walking into these depths here. Like I'll support you in that let's do it together so to me it has this sort of natural kind of blend of the psychology and the spirituality of it all yeah that's i don't know i guess that's how i look at it do you find that i don't know it's like colleagues or people in just the licensed therapy field like they tend to stay away from spiritual modalities and they keep it very like in this in this reality <laughs> for sure yeah i i totally think so and i think you know, it's funny, even in grad school, we had um, a non-traditional psychotherapies course. There was seven people in it, you know, out of all the people that were in my cohort that were in the graduate school. I mean, I loved it. We did like some regression therapy exercises, which we should talk about that another time. And yeah, I mean, I think that mainstream psychology, I mean, especially now is just so like we're in Instagram world now too, right? Which is like, can you get the pithy, clean image, understanding, take it and run with it. But it's like, you have to look beyond that. You have to alchemize or integrate and really look at it in a way that is much more substantial for yourself, which is probably going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I, I, I find that a lot of colleagues don't tend to shy away from spiritual work amongst other things and I don't know I'm just the person in you know like you're saying in terms of being a disruptor I'm a disruptor in in the way I'm like a I guess a gentle kind of disruptor until I need to not be gentle because I'm a Taurus um is to say like all right well let's walk down this path you don't know where you're going but I'm going to nudge you down this path let's go there and see what happens we're going to be safe here but like, let's go. Like, cause what you're thinking is limiting you. So I'm, I'm pushing you outside of what you're thinking and experiencing. 
And I think that psychology could certainly benefit from that as a whole too. Yeah. I would like what I've felt in the past from therapists that didn't practice spirituality or didn't infuse any of that into their work was that I was kind of, I guess I could explain it as like staying in, in the, in the trauma or staying in that space. And mm. where I would keep, it would like every session, it, I felt like we were like staying in a, in a certain place. Mm. Um, but I really like that, that there's a differentiation in that you, you're, you're actually healing. It's not just you're coming here. I'm going to sit here and <laughs> not have a reaction to anything, like not offer actual shadow work. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I think therapy should be because mm-hmm. we're all dealing with so much and a lot of it's in the shadow, like the problem mm-hmm. in our relationship or that may be happening with money or work. Like every facet of life is really it's impacted by our shadow. And yeah. I think it's it's tough because I think we're not in a spiritual society. If anything, it's a religious patriarchy. And mm-hmm. it's not about looking within and looking at ourselves. It's how much we can produce, what we're worth, um, how high up we are on the, the hierarchy. And mm-hmm. this is why we have like things like capitalism and destroying the planet, because that's what our society is based on. But you really are disrupting because we are moving into, into an era where those things are going to really break down astrologically. I won't get into mm-hmm. that. You guys can check out my YouTube for that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that even though you might be a disruptor now, that's going to be the norm in the future. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and I feel that, right? And I think that was part of the reason why this book came at this time is because, you know, it, all the stuff that we're seeing and have seen in the past couple of years is like shadow leaping out. Right. There's the individual shadows leaping out. There's a collective shadow leaping out. Right. And you're like, what is wrong with people? What, why is why are these things happening? And everyone's like, it, it seems just very like fine with people. I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. There's a lot of like unintegrated stuff that people are leaking out. And it's leading to like these horrible policy decisions. It's leading to people like an increase in violence and all these sorts of things. What if people were really okay with themselves and so if they really understood themselves and had the egos to handle that they could find ways to deal with that stuff and still be good productive conscious citizens yeah and so that yeah. and that's yeah that's i my mean disruption. let's just talk about <laughs> talk about a collective shadow that's absolute i just can't even deal with racism anymore but like whatever is the reaction to the black little mermaid i'm literally like I just, I'm like, this is like a serious collective shadow moment here. Like mm-hmm. you guys are really, they're, they're like, there's racist creating Facebook groups around it. Like mm-hmm. just all up on the internet, like uh, creating the most racist memes. Like that could be straight out of like back in the day when they did like blackface and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just wild to me that people are not seeing that as an opportunity to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they're, you're having a bad reaction to something like that because you're you have that um, ancestral trauma of being racist ingrained mm-hmm. in your body that you can't yep. see past. Yep. So that's you just can't... like a pure example of it. Yeah, like they can't imagine that this fictional 
character did not have to be or does not have to be white. Also, I listen, I'm not a big science person, but from what I understand, and I feel like my accent, my southern accent is coming out more. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm getting a little, you know, it makes more sense for fish and other beings at the in the depths of the ocean to be darker than it does for them to be lighter. I think science sort of backs up that idea. So it actually makes more sense that Ariel's darker skinned than lighter skinned. But, you know, the racists will never hear that. So here we are. I mean, the thing is, is the mermaid is an archetype that also actually lives across many different cultures. Like it's not just a European hundred percent archetype, especially when you go to like the Caribbean. There was like Mami Wata in in Africa, who was like a water deity a goddess. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like y'all need to check yourselves. Like, mm-hmm. there's literally like legends about mermaids in Haiti and like DR and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. so confused. Right. <laughs> but anyway, that's just <laughs> such a, an example of of collective shadow. But it, so in your own individual practice, and obviously you don't have to divulge anything if you don't want, but have you used any of the things that you've done with clients in the book? And do you have an example of how your methodology has helped heal your clients? Hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to answer that. You don't have to if, you, if it's secret. Yeah, I, I think there are, so shadow... I don't know. I'll say this. I think this is a little bit of a stretch, but I think in some way, all healers or therapists are shadow workers, even if they don't call themselves that. So I'm going to say that first. But, you know, I have some clients that I've worked with who are fond of the idea and ask about like, okay, so how does this really work? Like, how can we use this? And I have some people who, you know, aren't interested at all. And that's just not our work together. Um, and so occasionally, you know, with people who are more interested, I might pull an exercise from the book and say like, okay, let this be the homework for the week. Let's pick this back up next time and continue to un- unpack it and see if there are things that we can learn to integrate moving forward. So in that way, I think it's the workbook is, can be incredibly assistive to healers. And that's, I encourage people to use it that way, right? Like this is not only a personal resource, but it's also like a collective resource. And so I really hope that people can share it in that way too. So yeah, I I think that's one of the main ways in which it showed up in my work. Um, But also this is maybe less of a, a maybe a expected answer is that um, as a therapist and I do consider myself a healer, as well, I have to do my own work consistently to show up in a way that is most helpful to the people I work with. And so being conscious of my own shadow in the moment as it shows up in session um, can be, is incredibly helpful to me as someone who's supporting someone in their own journey with mental health, because I can see and examine with like my dual consciousness, right, is my reaction to this, right? What is it informed by, right? Is it informed by something that's mostly objective or how much of it is subjective and how much is informed by my experience and maybe my own stuff, my own shadow? And then how can I 
use that to help benefit this person who's across from me in a responsible way. Mm, so like in moments you feel like their own personal story or what they mm -hmm. went through, like, it's like reflecting. Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's heavy because I can mm -hmm. go through that as well, where it's like mm -hmm. a lot of times some heavy stuff can come up. So right. what do you recommend? <laughs> like, I would love some advice. Yeah. I mean, I, I think having your own grounding practices is super essential for any healer, any worker, any energy worker, you know, whether that's like, usually it's like a combination of things like meditation, therapy, journaling, reflecting, having something that's rooted in body work is always super helpful to me. That can be exercise. It could be Reiki. Um, I think it's really important to have the sort of grounding force because I think the, the nature of energy work or healing work is that energy moves in directions, right? And so you have to really be grounded and being able to discern what energy is yours and what energy is coming from outside the house and then how you allow it to move and how you can, you know, how can you influence its movement? Um, and I think you only really feel secure in that when you are grounded as much as you can be. Mm. So it's like um, grounding yourself mentally and kind of mm -hmm. separating yourself from that and observing mm -hmm. more. For sure. That's for Scorpio to do, but we're mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> emotional. But this was so amazing. So the Shadow Work Workbook, it's now available. Mm -hmm. um, where can listeners purchase? Yeah, you can buy the workbook wherever books are sold. It is on Amazon, on Bookshop. It's at, on IndieBound, online, also at a lot of, you know, at all major retailers, Target, Walmart, et cetera. And yeah, awesome. I'd really appreciate your support. Yes, of course. And where can everyone find you, your practice, IG? Yeah, sure. So I, you can find me on Instagram, which is where I'm most active at jarellcarabayo.com, at jarellcarabayo, so that's J-O-R-E-L-C-A-R-A-B-A-L-L-O. And my business is Viva, and so you can follow us on Instagram at Viva Mental Health, and our website is vivamentalhealth.com. Amazing. Well, everyone, I highly encourage you to check it out. I'm going to just show the book for anyone watching on YouTube. Thank you. And thank you so much, Jarell. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. I invite you to discover LilithAstrology.com and sign up for email to receive my free guide, an alchemist's guide to Black Moon Lilith. Until next time. <laughs>